welcome to the second season return of the healing art of being you. I hope you all have been enjoying a beautiful summer, making memories with your families and seeking the joy you deserve. Today, we're sitting down with our good friend and mentor, Dr. Julie Granger of Illuminate Freedom Coaching to talk about how we can identify our innermost core values and utilize that knowledge to live an unapologetically joyful and truthfully abundant life. Stick around to find out how we can apply our deeply rooted beliefs to show up authentically in our work as well as our play. Here are your hosts, Chelsea and Allison. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Healing Art of Being You podcast. Today, we have our dear friend, Julie Granger, with us, and we are so excited to get into all of the goodness. So, Julie, welcome. You'd like to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a bio, kind of, of who you are and what you do and what your magic is. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I didn't come prepared, which I love. So I can just kind of be on the fly about this. I am Julie Granger. I call myself a truth illuminator. I uh, live in Brevard, North Carolina, which is the Western part in the mountains. It's the most beautiful place in the world. It's absolutely a dream come true that we live here. I met the two of you via the work that I do which is, well, now I call myself an intuitive marketing coach and business doula. It's <laughs> my official titles. They're very official and professional. And, you know, what that means is basically helping people who basically live in the healthcare world, whether you're a healthcare entrepreneur like Allison or a clinician turned coach like Chelsea to build not only a business you absolutely adore, but also a life that is comes first that like truly you get to walk that talk and not just say that you do it so we help with both the you side of it and also the marketing and growth side of it and doing it all in a sustainable way that feels really fun and joyful to you so yeah that's me i'm a dog Thank mom you. and <laughs> love my husband that's it <laughs> and, and travel the world when i first started working with you you were living in an airstream yeah we which was like the coolest thing in an airstream i don't miss i love that life i don't miss it but we still travel but you know smaller scale now yeah my husband was like that actually seems like a pretty good idea i'm like we have a family of five no no it's a no <laughs> it's a no for me <laughs> no it's a hard pass <laughs> like a hard pass i don't blame yeah. you um, well, one of the things that I think is really cool about your story is that you started off in a very, very different professional avenue and, and you've grown and had all these different evolutions and iterations of what you've done with your life. Do you mind sharing a little bit about kind of like those early years and kind of what brought you um, kind of into the path that you're on right now? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for asking that. So I started out professionally hardcore graduated first in my class from physical therapy school always thought even in college i was going to be this like renowned sports physical therapist working with high level athletes and i did that i totally did that and i did it within two years of graduating because that's just kind of my mo when i see the mountaintop i go for it and um usually do it with style as well so i did that i became you know a professor in pt school i uh, got published research i was speaking at the national conferences i was publishing books 
I was that person, you know, who was being referred people from all over the world for my unique niche, which was teenage female athletes and everything that goes into their health, not just sports. So I loved it. And I was working at the time in a clinic where everyone was like me. It was like we all reached the mountaintop. We were all at the pinnacle. We were super go-getter achievers. And that bred this world of, I mean, we were all perfectionistic, high achieving people probably recovering from layers and layers of trauma, <laughs> but not knowing we needed to recover from it yet. And, you know, spewing it all over each other in this competitive cutthroat toxic environment that valued success and performance, but not the person. And so I started having panic attacks and did a whole healing journey around that left that job at the same time that I was diagnosed with cancer in my uh, right lung and went through all of the things for cancer. And I was like, well, I've seen how my life was impacted by this lifestyle and this mindset and this heart set and the spirit that I was in. And there's gotta be something better. I couldn't find a job that ultimately allowed me to be the healed version of myself. So I realized I had to create my own. And I realized if I was gonna create my own, I was gonna do it in a way that let me 100% practice everything I preached and like worked on. And so it was kind of an unapologetic, ruthless, like rule breaking, like I'm not gonna be here to overachieve and I'm not gonna be here to do all the things I used to do. And had to really really reinvent what that could look like in a business and, and it's still like the way my business has evolved it's not a popular thing like people are like oh you're supposed to have all these numbers and make all this money and define yourself by your successes and that's just I sometimes get swept into that it's not completely gone you know but it's just it's not okay <laughs> we are all so much more than that yeah i would say that you definitely um as a recovering people-pleasing perfectionist as well. I was like definitely drawn to that like past of yours because it was like when you're in it, it doesn't it, it doesn't seem obvious that there's a different way to act about the world. Right. You know? And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that those first, you know, those first couple of months that I was working with you and there was so much like cause I came to you like, please be my business coach. Show me how to run a PT practice. And the amount of stuff that we did regarding me versus how to run a PT practice was so drastically different than what I expected. And there was so much like, I still remember like multiple times that like Ryan would walk in and I am like ugly sobbing. <laughs> and he was just like, do you, do you want to hug? You want to give you a load? I was like, uh, like, I mean, it was just like, it was so crazy to like get to the deep core of like who you are and what's really important to you and like how you can show up in the world like that. You know, mm -hmm. do you find like one of the big things that I found that was really interesting is when you took us through core values and kind of like really figuring out what is the most important couple of things for you. And you give us like this list of like 70 some values and you're like, you get two. And I'm like, but I want 40 of them. And like, that's great. You get two. And so do you find that your values, cause like my values at the time were certain. And then as I've kind of evolved, I was like, oh, those actually feed into these other values. And these are kind of my core values. Do you find that your yours have changed over the years at all? Or have they been pretty consistently the same thing? Oh, I love this question. I think that they've evolved. It's like they stay in the same themes, 
but maybe the word to describe it changes ever mm -hmm. so slightly. They've always mm -hmm. kind of like they started out authenticity, authenticity and wholeheartedness. And now it's love and truth. And I'm tagging in freedom onto both of those. And it's like it's loving in a freedom way and truth in a freedom way. And if you think about it, love is wholeheartedness and truth is authentic. And but it's like I it's like you distill it down to a simpler word almost that's easier to remember <laughs> and say, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Those are literally mine um, of love and truth. <laughs> because uh, it's the same thing like before it was like you know service and like things like that it was just like there was other stuff that was like it ultimately for me came down to like love and truth and when I was able mm -hmm. to kind of recognize that I was like wow I lie a lot not big lies little lies little lies just to kind of like avoid an uncomfortable situation you know like oh I'm sorry I'm late but this thing came up nothing came up Allison you just didn't get out of bed on time like own up to it you know and so it was just um it was very freeing when i was able to start kind of like really living my life in those two because it was like people are gonna people are still gonna be on board with me given my flaws or they're not but i don't need to pretend that i don't have flaws right oh my gosh i realized the way i was lying to myself this morning actually it was like lying to myself sobbing speaking of sobbing my husband walks in same story he's like okay i was like just give me some space we're good like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's so true. Lying. Denial. I mean, it's, it's a thing. We humans, yeah. we do it. Well, you have kind of um, had this, this situation with your practice. I know you kind of had your own PT practice, then you had to shut it down for the cancer treatment. You started it up again. And I think that happened more than once. And then you kind of shifted into um, more of the coaching world. Did you find, what did you find where like your biggest like stories that you were telling yourself that kind of kept you from acting sooner? I have to be um, knighted by someone. I have to be certified. I have to be told, okay, you're good. You can do this. I needed permission from someone else. And I remember actually, f even for the business, right? Like when I first started the business, it was like, can I do this? I don't know. I guess I'll try it and like sneak around in the background. And then when I shifted into coaching, it was kind of the same thing. I remember I'd gone through a coach certification, which was great, but you know, in retrospect, I don't know that I needed all that training. And I remember like a year and a half into it, I, I started coaching and I was like, I've been doing this all along. Shoot, like what have I been doing with my life? And it's almost like that's, that question comes up every time I finally make that leap into whatever the next layer is, you know, of what was I waiting on? <laughs> Permission, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people kind of like hide in that, like, I don't have the knowledge, so I'm not going to, or they think they don't have the knowledge and they just kind of use that as like a crutch to not act? Yeah, because aren't we programmed from like age four when we start pre-K that you need to pass a certain grade and what, what makes you valuable is your knowledge? You know, like that's school. And then we all go to college, grad school, all the things. It's just this thing until we're out into grown up world, adulthood. And it's like, well, I guess I need more knowledge. I mean, I'm, that was another lie I realized I was telling myself yesterday about something else where it was like, ah, there it is again. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I, I honestly, like that line right there for me was huge because when I first started working with you, I was going from the place of like, I was a nurse was a nurse, was a nurse, was a nurse. And the idea of starting my own business, 
how do I run a business? What do I do? How do, where do I even begin? Right. And so I was so comforted by your approach and the way that you captivate your clients in the sense that's like so supportive and we can address all of those things, the numbers and all of the, the actual things, but we'll do it in a way that's going to be comfortable for you and you're going to feel supported by it and it's going to we're going to meet you where you are and so I honestly I'm curious with being one of your gifts being style and how you're able to truly pull it out and pull it out of your clients you're able to look into them see them help them see themselves and move from the idea phase of what they want to do with their business to the actual business portion of it. What was that journey like for you when you first decided like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave the clinic or I'm going to take a step out of the actual box that I was in before. And I'm going to do it myself and how that kind of evolved organically and how you shifted from really going from being a physical therapist. You're like, no, now I, I'm actually a business coach mm-hmm. and I help you. Like, that's oh beautiful. Gosh. No, I'm actually a business coach and I help you that one. I, I like remember the day where I was working with a coach at the time, speaking of the thought of needing permission. And I, I had a, already like attracted in clients who I was business coaching and I was kind of just doing it like, I don't know, let's just figure it out. Sure, I can help you, like, whatever. And that's kind of the MO with everything I've started is once I get past that needing permission phase, I'm like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. I'll just start where I am and figure it out as I go. And I was talking to the coach one day and I said, at the time I was branding myself as like a health coach for female athletes, not just teens, but also women with hormonal issues. And she was helping, like trying to help me grow that. And then I was like, but I'm, actually the part of my business that's really taking off is this business and marketing and like sort of life coachy side. And, and she was like, Oh no, like you need to wait, you need to build this health coaching side. Cause that's what your branding is. And then do that later. And I was like, cool story. Like that's where it was like, no, 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 we're no longer looking for permission. We're just going to mm-hmm. try it. And it took off. And, you know, I could tell that I had a real knack for this and helping people take that idea in your heart and like bring it into words is totally my jam. As you know, I love the whole word, putting words around it thing, but also putting into actual like manifested form out in the 3D world is such an act of love and creativity and vulnerability. And hence why Allison's sobbing in her room or whatever, (laughs) because it's so vulnerable. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it's an act of just try it, but it's so vulnerable and you've got to be willing to do that. And it really helps to have someone to support you. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to share a little bit about my beginning phases so that people can get an idea kind of of like how this actually works. Cause it's like, we're saying a lot of flowery words and stuff like that, but like what actually yeah. is done, you know? So when I first started, I was very much along the same lines of that high achiever, people pleasing perfectionism. I had the three kids who were in all the things and I had the laundry list of all the things I had to do. And I was building this practice during COVID and how am I going to get patients in the door and how am I going to do this? And, you know, I have to be able to support my family and all these things that had always been on my plate. So I assumed they needed to stay on my plate. Mm -hmm. And so... I remember the, the, 
the call that it was, was when you had us sit down and you had us write down like that person that's on your schedule that you, your heart is just so joyful and exploding with excitement to see them. Like you love working with this person, write down your, the top five traits of that person and wrote them down. And then you're like, okay, that person that it's like, they're on your schedule on Friday and you have a headache on Monday anticipating it. Like you just, oh, I just don't want to work with this person. Write down the top five traits of that person. And we did. And then you had us just put it to the side. And then you just started talking about how do different traits show up in different aspects of our life? How do they show up in our planning? How do they show up in our finances? How do they show up in how we schedule our day? All these types of things. And as you were going through it, you're like, you know, a martyr might present like this, you know, and it was just different types of things. And as I'm, as you're going through this, all of a sudden the tears just start streaming down my face as I realize, oh, the problem here is that I hate myself. The problem here is that the person that I hate working with has all of the, I have all of these traits in different aspects of my life that like, I'm too busy. Um, somebody else just fix this problem for me. Um, not wanting to take ownership of it. Like, and I was seeing how that was showing up in different aspects of my life that were not super obvious to me in a patient care world. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, I would never do this with my own personal health, but it was like, I had never put mental health in that pocket. It was like my body health, not my mental health. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, Allison, like you literally hate yourself. This is terrible. And then you said something that was so powerful for me that gave me so much hope was you said, the good thing is, is these are all practices. You're practicing people pleasing. You're practicing perfectionism. You're practicing martyrdom. And the cool thing is, is you can, you can choose to practice something different. It just takes practice. You got to break patterns and practice something different. And it was just like such this emotional roller coaster for me to be like, Oh, I figured out what the problem is. I hate myself. How can I serve and love other people? If I don't serve and love myself, like that's obviously not going to work. And I don't have to be stuck this way. That was, that's just how I've been acting. But the cool thing is, is I can act a different way. And that's what you and I spent a lot of time on. And like, and I remember telling you, it was like, you know, it hit me like, what do I think is going to happen? People are just going to like show up to my funeral one day and be like, oh, but she was just so busy. Like what? <laughs> like nobody freaking cares. Nobody's going to be like, it was just so impressive to see her like driving in and out of the neighborhood constantly taking her kids to stuff. What a good mom she is because she was busy. Like what? In, what am I doing with my life right now? Like it's so it was like such a great moment for us for me to be able to like realize that as you were saying it was that giving of permission that permission that you don't just because you've been a certain way doesn't mean you always have to be a certain way and then in that process of us working together and me learning how these things were showing up for me in different ways and being able to take actionable steps and like when you told me i want you to do something every day that produces nothing for anybody brings that. no value to anybody. I was like, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know. What does that even mean? You know? And you were like, it could be sitting on a bench and just looking at birds. Like it could be, you could go and paint, but like something that literally produces nothing, provides no value to anybody. And that was the hardest piece of homework that you had ever given me because I didn't, I had never, lived my life for joy. I had lived my life for this martyrdom for other people because that's what I had been shown. And that's what I had believed was what constituted a good mom, a good employee, a good person, a good friend, a good neighbor, a good daughter, whatever the case is, it was everybody else is more important than you. 
and just suck it up and keep going. Mm. And so that's kind of one of the big breakthroughs that I had in working with you was just kind of that like conceptualizing that like, oh, we don't actually have to be this person we've always been. We can move on from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I love what you said about like everyone's more important than you. That in line right there, that line right there literally just highlights the problem, you know, mm-hmm. of I don't like myself. And it's like, it, <sighs> something you said, it, I mean, a couple things you said, number one, what I see so much in healthcare. I mean, it, there's so much um, interesting projection and codependency that happens. It's a big words. Those are big, heavy, like psychological words, but ultimately projection, meaning we try and fix in others what we unconsciously don't like about ourselves and codependency, meaning I'm dependent on everybody else to make me feel important because I don't like myself. And, and, and so, healthcare and coaching together are both a world that can continue to facilitate that. And so you're such a great example of seeing that these are practices. These are actually coping strategies we learned from a very young age to get our needs met, to feel loved, to feel like we're safe, we belong, that we're worthy. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we can just ignore the the trauma and the junk that's underneath and just change your behavior. It's just like, oh, let me just act differently, right? Cause that just, it's just putting icing on a shit cupcake. It's just like, leave the shit there. But ultimately, you know, the, the point of being, oh, she was so busy at her funeral. Like that's what people say about you. Is that what you want people to say about you? I mean, really, is that what we value? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so good. Yeah, definitely not. It's like, I don't want to be known for being busy. And if I'm using busyness as a way to kind of like convey that people are important to me, I think I would rather have human connection, actually. Right. I'd rather yes. connect with people and be like, oh, I always felt understood. I always felt heard by Allison. I always felt supported by Allison. Not, she was really good at carpools. What? You're really good yeah. at helping me with my pelvic floor. Like, I mean, yeah, it's great. You are. And also, like, right. And also other things. Count how worthy you are based on how many patients you heal with incontinence. Yeah. You know, like, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that I uh, was able to take away from my work with you was the efforting. How I would get really, really stuck in the place of, I have to do this myself. I. I have to do this portion and it doesn't feel good and it's not coming with ease and it feels very like I'm white knuckling here, but I've got to do it. And even through working, like I, you know, I would, I would get some progress and do some learning and then I'd be like, nope, Chelsea, sit down. You still got to, you got to white knuckle it. You got to do this. Right. And you were, I can still remember the moment that you were like, yeah, you're, you're not going to do messaging by yourself anymore. It's just, it's just not going to be a thing for you because that's not how you best function. That's not how you best are able to learn and to actually create. And it was this like mind blow moment. They're like, wait, what do you mean? Doesn't feel good. I don't have to do it. Like, I don't have to do it that way. What What do you mean? So can you talk a little bit about your uh, philosophy and your approach there and how that has landed you within your own life and the results that you've actually wanted to call in? 
Yeah, I think that what just downloaded for me when you said that is there's a real difference between effort and ease. And easy, let me say that differently. Effort and easy. So yes. things that, there's, there's really no such thing as easy. I mean, like things get to be simple or um, efficient, right? But for the things that we like and we are passionate about, there's still energy that, that goes into it. And so there's not really like, there is easy energy, but it's more easeful, right? It's more effortless. Mm-hmm. And so we just confuse these words where efforting is like the idea of contracting every muscle in your body as you walk, because you're just like, oh my God, more is better, right? Like, let me just squeeze my jaw together while I'm walking. It makes no sense, like why would we do that? But we do it, right? Mm-hmm. And easeful or effortless from an energetic perspective is the the path of least resistance right and that is allowed and that is okay and so philosophically speaking we were brought up in a world of more is more we were praised for effort you're taught to praise your kids for effort not outcome which is true but the message we get is more effort equals more worthy, more loved, more safe, and more belonging, right? And so in your case, that makes perfect sense that you're like, okay, well, I belong here in this group container, the more effort I put in, and therefore then I'm allowed to receive whatever, joy, love, whatever it is. And at the same time, that's just, it's not just not your design that that doesn't work for, it doesn't work for anyone sustainably. I mean, right. it gets us somewhere because we learned it as another coping strategy, but doesn't work in the long run. It either gets put into your body, like it turns inward energetically, or it ruins relationships. In Allison's words, it ruins connection with people because you're just efforting and busy all the time. So, yeah. What have been the transitions that you've noticed with people like as they kind of work through your like they come to you again for like more like business coaching and things like that. But because I know I have my own personal stories of how this has affected my family and I'm happy to share that in a minute. But like what have you heard from other people of like how their lives change as a result of the stuff that they do that they think they're doing just for their business, but really they're doing for themselves and for the people around them? This is like the bait and switch here. Um, uh-huh. And I love <laughs> it. So sleazy. but um, And I'm actually going to be changing that a bit in my branding. And we're just going to be open and be like, look, you're going to work on you. And we're just going to work yeah. on that. But, but truly, um, changes have been, oh, my God, immense. I mean, there's been people who have gotten out of abusive marriages who never would have thought that there was another way to live or be in relationships with people. There are people who have completely left the coaching world. They've left the clinical world. They're now real estate agents. They're travel agents. They do something else. Like it's just all the way to another end of of the earth. There's people who travel full time now. There's people who's kids have gone from extremely anxious and clingy and having attachment issues and learning disability issues at school to now peaceful and calm and they're thriving and like just completely like this family unit that is just driven by honestly love and truth and freedom Mm -hmm. it's amazing and that's why i do this like that's literally my why is the ripple effect not only onto 
the direct client, but also their clients and their families and everybody else in their lives. Mm -hmm. I will say from a personal standpoint, what I have noticed with us is that kind of like Ryan and I have a great relationship. He's always been a very great support to me. And I've always been kind of the more driving force, actionable person. And as that driving force, there was a lot that I was carrying in the sense of like, if I don't figure out how to do it, it doesn't get done. Now, that's a story I was telling myself. We have grown beyond that point and that's not accurate anymore. But because of that, if anybody stepped out of line, if anybody did anything, because like, our, as you know, my day would be packed by the minute, the entire, there was no room for somebody to not get their shoes tied fast enough. There was no room for the fact that we forgot the soccer ball at home. There was no room for that because we had to make sure that we were on because then what would the coach think and then this and that and then people are going to see these things about me for yada 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 like all these stories so as you and i started working together and i started allowing myself to have a little bit more space myself to have a little bit more downtime to have a little bit more mental rest to have a little bit more um grace and forgiveness in my day then i was able to allow that to happen for my children to allow them to be kids and to make mistakes and learn and not get yelled at and not be worried that if they spill their glass of water that they're going to get in trouble you know just allowing them to just be kids and learn and do things and then they kind of helped my husband and my son repair their relationship because I was so elevated and my husband only would ever get upset if I was upset. Mm -hmm. Well, having both parents upset in the same house, not a great situation, right? And so then, you know, he and my son would kind of get into it with each other. That was able to be repaired because from what I learned from you, I was then able to kind of coach and talk with my husband about it. And then he was able to repair his relationship with our son. And so what I noticed, there's one event that I still to this day is it was such like a heartwarming moment for me, but <clears throat> it was when our car had died and we went to go borrow my in-laws car. They live around the corner from us. And we went over there to borrow their car and their car had died. And, um, because we were supposed to drive it while they were in Florida and mm -hmm. we forgot. Um, and so we didn't have jumper cables. So luckily one of our neighbors had jumper cables. And so we walked over, we got the jumper cables, came back, jumped the car. We had to move Emma's vet visit because that was during this time. Um, and it was this whole, it was like a whole day. And as we were then driving Emma to the vet later, my oldest says to me, he's like, um, he's like, you're really calm about this. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, no, I mean, just usually you'd be, usually you'd be yelling about this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I think we were just really lucky. You know, we were really lucky that, you know, grandma and grandpa had a car we could borrow. And we were really lucky that our neighbors were available and home to give us jumper cables. And we were really lucky that the vet was able to move up the appointment for us. And that daddy was able to be here to help us with that. You know, we just got really lucky today. And he goes, yeah, but you usually would have been yelling about something about this. Like you usually been yelling about this and um, you just seem really, really calm right now. I was like, well, I guess I'm making some progress then, oh. you know? So it was like just this moment where it's like, okay, even my family is recognizing that like, there's a different way to live, you know? And I'll hear things that my kids say now that are just like, they just make my heart sore. Like if I apologize to my daughter for something, she'll say, it's okay, mommy, you're still learning. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. It's okay. And I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. That's great. Or if she like makes a mistake or something like that, she'll just say to herself, it's okay. I'm still learning. I'm still practicing this. I'm not great at it yet, but I'll get there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's like things like that, where it's like, 
going from raising one child who was diagnosed with anxiety because I was so escalated, never giving him any space to live his life. And that's something that we are now reparenting and undoing. And he's doing phenomenally now versus another child being raised in a totally different environment. Who's like, Mm. Oh, mistakes happen. It's okay. Still learning. Like, let's just keep trying. And she just like, it doesn't have the fear of messing up as much, you know? And so I just, I thank you for everything that you've taught us because that's the ripple effect for those who are listening, who are like, yeah, but how is coaching actually going to help? Like it's, you can't do all this stuff. Yes, it does. Cause when you work on yourself and you have capacity for love and kindness and compassion for yourself, it permeates. And then people act differently around it. I have neighbors who are like, we love having your kids over. Like they are so great with our children. They're so kind. My, my one son and his best friend were doing yoga and meditation before a recent baseball game to help calm their minds before they went into a baseball game. And they won. They were like doing meditation before baseball every time. And they're 10, you know? So it's just like, I mean, it's just, it just changes everything when you can just like open that up and just kind of get down to the deep root of who you are and what's important to you and be okay with people not wanting to be in your circle who don't align with that. And then being compassionate for those who do. Oh, okay. Allison, first of all, you hit on the ripple effect, like nail on the head on the nail there. Oh gosh. How do we say that? Hit the nail on the head. Hit the, hit the nail. on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Words are hard. Um, Words. Words are hard. Um, I'm usually good at words, but not, not right now at this moment when it's all emotional. Uh, that's like our tagline for the podcast. The healing mm-hmm. art of being it you is. slash words are hard. <laughs> words are hard. Disclaimer. Perfect. Words are hard. Um, the ripple effect that I didn't even realize that you've just now illuminated is I started out my career in pediatrics and I always got so frustrated because the teen would be this perfectly good foot with no shoe to go in, to quote actually one of my old um, assistants who used to work for me. And I get so frustrated. And so that's when I moved into coaching because I was like, all right, I'm going to coach the teen and I'm coaching the parent. And the parent would never really be open to coaching because the parent would be like, it's my teen, it's my kid, they need the help, not me, which is fine. I mean, just not open to looking at themselves and looking in the mirror, I totally get it. And what I love is almost indirectly, I didn't mean, I mean, I, I, it is my why is I want it to affect your whole family, but literally what's happening is I finally made it to the other side where I'm like, ah, the kid is getting what I've always wanted for that kid. Yes. Which is so awesome. Yes. And, That's beautiful. And to go back to your question of did my value shift? Yes and no. And has what I've always wanted to do when I grow up shifted? No. Right? Because I'm still doing it just in a different way. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, what I've noticed with you is that you are very good at helping people recognize like what actually brings them joy in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a very, very lucky person that working in pelvic health genuinely brings me joy that I feel that deep in my soul. And, but there are a lot of people that have kind of gone in just cause we were common PTs here. A lot of people have gone into PT just because it was kind of the next natural step. And then they recognize like, Oh, I actually like, it's fine, but it's like not what brings me joy. Yeah. And those are like some of the people who kind of got out of it and got into other fields because it's like, you know, you can monetize a lot of different things. And a lot of those can be hobbies. And that's the thing that's really hard is that we grow up in this environment of like a high school college, 
grad school, job, money, insurance, house, kids. And it's just like, (laughs) what if I just like want to live in a tent and like hike and climb trees? You know, it's like, what if that's what I want to do? You know, it's like, okay, well, there's probably a way to monetize that. Maybe you buy some land and you build a camp and you have people in to do weekend retreats and boom, there you go. You know, like there's just, I really appreciate how, how good you are at helping people figure out what is truly important to them and what stories they're telling themselves that kind of block what's important to them from being an option. Um, And I think it's really important that people kind of get that in their life so that they're not stuck in these kind of, I don't want to say a miserable existence because it's not, but when you know that joy is possible and you're just surviving, it can feel kind of miserable. And then you get into that resentful phase where you think you're looking around and, oh, they're just so lucky. They're just so lucky that they have a supportive spouse. Well, they're just so lucky that they have, you know, a good job or whatever the case is, instead of recognizing like, well, no, they took the steps to do that. And you're choosing to tell yourself stories that you don't have that as an option. Yeah. I think it's, we have like a, a epidemic in our world of how joy is defined. You know, like it's sort of this compartmentalized thing. I get to have it for a couple weeks a year on vacation. And and then in the meantime, I'm joyful when I check off my to-do list, which is a love a good to-do list, y'all. Checklists are awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's like these little bitty dopamine hits, right? And and or and or the huge ones, like the huge big vacation is how we justify being able to receive and experience joy when really it's ever present at all times, it's just giving yourself permission to tap into it in a really different way. And the alchemy of all of it is when you can, from a from a work perspective, I mean, there's like, you're not work, but what if your entire life could be joyful, including your work and, and joy in a way that's like, brings you tears, brings you this like sense of fulfillment and peace without all the stress and the drama, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, wh- what I mean by alchemy is like taking the feeling of joy, because we all know what joy feels like and turning that into a vision given to you by the divine on like, oh, oh, that could be work. We could monetize that. Yeah, you can. I literally just had that discussion with my next door neighbor <laughs> this week, who's like a firefighter. And he was like, I want to mentor firefighters. And I was like, let's do it. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> like, what would be fun for you? <laughs> and we came up with his brand and like a tagline within like four seconds. And he was like, wow, you really, you really like this stuff. And I was like, yeah, really, it's just really fun. Anything can be a business. <laughs> Anything can be. And that's, and that's what you did was you, you monetized your joy of helping people be able to communicate their joy to other people to monetize it. I mean, right. it's. It's awesome. In a nutshell, that's what I do. Help you communicate your joy to other people. Yeah. yeah. And you exactly. you also give them permission to feel that joy. Because I'll be the first to say, like, that was a huge part for me was identifying that, like, the receiving of joy and love and attention and just all of it was probably a little bit of a necessary portion in having a successful business, like an actual business that wasn't just a hobby, you know, where money is exchanged. And so I can still remember the, my worthiness rib and kind of that whole saga that, that became, and it was, it was this giant aha moment for me to realize that like, 
the problem isn't just that I don't know what words to use to sh- in a conversation to shift from having a volunteer client to transitioning them into a paying client. That's not actually the issue. The issue is that I have all of these other worthiness things, you know, around being seen and receiving and and allowing myself to experience that joy. And so it was a huge moment for me. And I was like, huh, okay, wow, imagine that. Like, this was something that went back to how I interact with my fiance, how our relationship flows and functions how I interact with everyone it was really like that moment that I was like yeah mm -hmm." sat down thought I was just gonna sit here and go do some money (laughs) money wounds and you know dive into those sandbags in reality I was like wow okay I just hit the reset button on my whole life and got a whole new perspective that was so helpful and so incredible and helped me to alchemize the actual struggle that I was in into like, no, this is this is actually why you're doing what you're doing. This is why you're doing what you're doing, because you can see how the emotions and the life that you've lived created these stories and would have prevented you from being able to help those people. I love that. First of all, I think we were all involved in the worthiness rib episode. Yes. Oh my gosh. The <laughs> worthiness rib. Recently. Yes. Um, and we absolutely. need to get Nicole Short in here. She was working yes. on it too. Nicole, Our chiropractor yeah, friend. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. You're like sending me this email and I was like, of course. Wow. Yeah. There was a <laughs> lot going on there. Chelsea had a whole crick in her neck side. I can't remember what it was. And it's like a cup under her rib cage. Yeah. Allison and Nicole to help her readjust and manipulate back into place and it was all stemming from you know is the energetic embodiment the somatic embodiment of this worthiness stuff and it was brilliant um and not surprising to me at all of course because i've been through the same thing you know and the point you made about these things coming up and taking a look at our baggage and our our crap that's hiding behind the scenes unconsciously let's just make sure it's very clear that we're saying it's unconscious none of us like decided to put it there or we're not like consciously saying oh i know i have all the baggage and i'm not going to look at it it's unconscious otherwise we would do something about it until it comes up and becomes conscious and that's the piece of it's never about your marketing message it's never about your funnel it's never about your website it's never about what you say or do or on social media, that's the symptom. The deeper energetic issue is always what's going on energetically, unconsciously, somatically, all of that inside of you. And it's the analogy I love to give, Chelsea, you've heard this one, Allison, I don't know if you've heard this one from me, is it's like a house. So your marketing, your your business, your sales, everything you do, your pricing, your programs, is like the decor in the house. It's the furniture, it's the wallpaper, it's the plants on the table, it's the picture frames. It's all the fun stuff that we'd like to look at and see here in the 3D world and talk about and go to West Elm and pick out and do all that. But all the stuff behind the scenes in a house is what actually makes the house livable. The air conditioning ducts, the electric wiring, the plumbing, the foundation, the studs in the wall, the stuff you can't see is what makes the decor able to be there and so so many people in the marketing in the business world they teach all the surface stuff it's literally like going to target and picking out all your stuff and then guess what all that stuff goes out of style so we have to do the next trending marketing trend and then blah 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 
but no one, not no one, but a lot of people aren't digging behind the scenes and going, well, wait a minute. Why don't you know what type of carpet you want to pick out? Well, it's because you don't have the right floorboards underneath to make it level. And we need to look at that. And I mean, you can just slap carpet on top, but eventually the carpet's going to sink or it's going to get mildewy or whatever because the insulation's bad. So that deeper stuff, it's not just a bait and switch, as I said earlier, I just say that to laugh. It's like, well, do you want to do this for life? Do you want to get out of that toxic environment or that mindset that you were in that you tried to escape in the clinical world or whatever it was? Cool. Well, it starts with you, friend. <laughs> like, you're right. the one who's in charge of you. And we can blame the world. We can blame the toxic hospitals. We can, those don't help. But it, at the end of the day, you can keep changing the things in the 3D world. But if we don't look at what's in the mirror, we're not getting anywhere. Oh my gosh, mic drop. If you don't change the things in the mirror, right? Like those things don't help. Your, your surroundings don't help, but they didn't create the problem. Yeah. It's like blaming social media. You know, social media is a, it's a, it's a place. It's like a vehicle for so many problems, right? And so mm -hmm. much wonderful stuff too. And my husband said something the other day. He was like, yeah, social media is to blame for that. I was like, no, no, no. It's the energy of the people who are using the social media. And yeah, social media fuels dopamine hits and addiction and so many problems. But at the same time, like if we don't look at the people, then the next yes. thing is gonna come along that's gonna continue to perpetuate these patterns. Absolutely. Someone's gotta stand up and say, this is not okay. And it starts with you. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's really interesting about just one little side note on social media is that like it is your own curated experience. Like that's what people don't understand. Oh my God, I'm being bombarded by negative stuff on social media. Well, no, you're choosing to look at that long enough that the algorithm thinks that you're interested in it. Because right. my oldest was sitting next to me and he was like, um, and I was, I had to post something for work and everything like that. And I was kind of scrolling and I, and I like to try to like, if I find something that I like that somebody else does, I like to try to share it to my story. Um, Cause I just like to get the good stuff out there. And he was like, how come everything on your feed is like, positive like is people like with positive messaging or people working out Puppies. and i was like those are or, or comedians and i'm like yes. because that's what i choose to surround myself with is i either want to laugh or i want to mentally grow or i want to learn something from another pt or fitness professional that's what i choose to do so that's what i spend my time on i'm like if i chose to look at really terrible things then i would see more of that and it would put me in a bad mood instead if i'm looking for a little bit of escapism or i need to do something for work i get to leave feeling kind of like happy and happy like happy fulfilled excited laughing whatever you know i'm like be careful when you do eventually get social media that you curate it in a way that is going to be supportive to you think about it before you go into it what are you looking for and seek out those things because otherwise if you allow yourself to spend time on the violent videos or the angry politicians or you know uncle bob in you know texas ranting his you know, spewing hate or whatever the case is, you know, like that's what you're going to see on a regular basis. And it is going to make a change in what you then perceive in the world It's mm -hmm. your brain is going to seek out the preconceived notions, the stories that's already telling itself. It's going to look for confirmation that that's true. So like I choose to look for confirmation that change is possible, that growth is possible, that beauty and joy and excitement and love are possible. That's what I choose to spend my time looking at. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, just like 
that was more than I needed. <laughs> I <was> like, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, so are we going to go into our next set of whatever's? I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, social media is not the only thing that's algorithmic. I think you've really started to hit on it. So is the mind. So is mm-hmm. our, our literal human experience and kind of back to like, something's more available. You don't have to live in survival mode. Like when you seek out proof that something better or more rich or deeper is available to you when you start to even believe or surround yourself with people life is algorithmic the law of attraction is at play and you start to attract in things that it's like the the divine algorithm out there will send you the things that agree with your thoughts agree with your energy agree with your beliefs and from a marketing perspective coming back to that it's like well, if we don't take a look at your beliefs and your thoughts and your programming and your wiring from childhood even, then you're just going to attract in clients who don't want to pay you, who don't value you, who don't value themselves, who d- who hate themselves, who, you know, have a gazillion body issues going on. Not that there's anything wrong with that, y'all. Um, but it's just like they want you to fix them and they don't want to look at them they don't want to look in the mirror you know and take a look they don't want to look under the carpet definitely don't want to look under that carpet it's real mildew (laughs) (laughs) and it's to be fair it's not fun to look in the mirror you cried i mean like chelsea had moments i have moments daily and all the time it's not like but at the same time the feeling feeling those feelings is part of the healing process to heal it you need to feel it and Mm -hmm. you want a better life you got to get the junk out got to take out the trash so I have a question for you, because I know that you have been on this growth journey for many, many, many years, and your your level of knowledge right now is way more to put than we can fit into the amount of time that we have available. So let's say that people are like, okay, <clears throat> I've had enough drips of this that like manifestation's a thing, that energy's a thing, that I do call in, you know, what I'm looking for, whether it's desired or undesired, like these things are happening. Where would you where do you where would you point people on like how to like how did you get started? What was your like, what are your favorite resources that you're like, oh, this really clicked for me, this book or podcast or researcher or whoever? I'm a big fan of David Hawkins work. He does a lot in the realm of the crossover between the mind psychology stuff and the spirit, um, energetics and consciousness research. He's no longer alive, but he he's a crossover between traditionally trained clinician and then someone who got really into the spiritual realm and how those crossover. That's one. All of his books are wonderful. Um, he's got a lot of recordings on Audible as well. Number two, I would say is the, 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 the book I remember that got me to see at least how it shows up in the body is Anatomy of the Spirit, Carolyn Miss. Um, and then that got me into the sort of energetic, somatic manifestation of all, like really what's held in mind will manifest everywhere. Um, and so those would be the top two. I could go on and on and on. Anything by Brene Brown, of course, to get you into the more like, you know, psychology stuff relationships just normal human connection trauma vulnerability but that would be really maybe the three top resources yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i feel like is like the i feel like that's like where the direction of health and wellness is needing to go and i think i'm starting to see a trend in that because i'm meeting more practitioners and providers who are recognizing that like hey nothing actually happens in our 
body or in our surroundings without our brain telling it to, Mm -hmm. you know, because like it's just not going to happen. Our heart beats because our brain sends signals for our heart to beat. And they're in the background. We don't think beat, beat, beat. It's all in the background, right? And majority of what we do is in the background. And so I'm seeing more practitioners kind of recognizing that. And we all just kind of have our own little slice of this piece of the pie that helps make the whole human. Um, But I am, I am hopeful that we continue to go in that direction and that people continue to learn on their own because this is not an education that's happening on a regular basis. This is not something that they're teaching you in schools. You know, they're not teaching you, Hey, if you're having this recurring rib pain that doesn't seem to go away with chiropractic care or physical therapy, or it goes away a little bit, but it's not really going away. Maybe let's take a look at what kind of emotions we're holding on to. <laughs> maybe our body's holding on to something that we need to release. You know, like we don't, we're not learning that we're not teaching our kids that. I mean, I'm working on teaching my kids that, and I know that there are people who are doing that, but we're not doing it on a systematic level. And so, and I think that when you can recognize these things, it helps you live a joy, a life of more joy, which decreases those um, stress hormone responses that can make our body act totally out of whack. And, you know, I just think that's a direction that we need to go. Now, I know that you do a lot to keep yourself feeling good. You've got a nice little morning routine. That's kind of a non-negotiable. Are you open to sharing what you do? Okay. I pretty much every morning. Okay. Well, my morning starts with the wordle. (laughs) Yes. Well, first of all, that's amazing. Um, (laughs) Yes. And that's also like my, like, I actually start on my phone. I'm like, let me just get it out of my system for like five, 10 minutes. Although I did an experiment a couple weeks ago where I did no phone for like three hours, which was also fine. Like, it's like it's not a thing either direction. Mm -hmm. But I just like get it out of my system, five, ten minutes, check all the things I want to check, and then it's gone. Phone's out of the way. And then I typically um, either sit and feel whatever is going on with me. Um, Just kind of ask myself, how do you feel today? What do you need? Like, what's going on? Um, or and or I feel and script it's like stream of consciousness spills out my journal um, pages and pages and pages as many as it needs to be until I hit a point that needs some examining that's sort of like oh I thought that was hiding in there or something like that and with a lot of compassion you know this is what I did this morning I saw a way that I'd been seeing something out in the world that was really bothering me and for years, I've been like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that thing. Other people do it and it bothers me. And I didn't really see it in myself until literally today. And I was like, oh my God. And it was these really subtle ways. And I was just like crying and like at first feeling shame. And then I was like, oh, I'm so glad this came up because it's pointing me in a direction of a need of mine that's not being met. And Mm -hmm. so then it was just this beautiful, loving circle of hugging myself and all the things so usually i get into a big mess and then i clean it all up energetically do a lot of energy clearing stuff um and then i read and that's like it's like i have to get my shit out before i can bring new information in um and sometimes i don't even make it to the reading because it's been like a couple hours and i'm like gotta get on my day but that's sort of my non-negotiable the days i miss it it's fine it's not like anyone's gonna die but it's really, really rich and fulfilling. And then I typically kind of do that throughout the day. So it's really kind of become a lifestyle, in fact, you know, Mm -hmm. of, it's not like I need to block out a lot of time for it. It's just, if I feel something, even during a quiet call, I feel it. I just, I feel it while I'm talking to someone and just go, go into it and make a note of what I need to dig out later. 
you know, mm-hmm. for myself. But yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you had kind of told me you told me a while, like, have you, you know, have you, do you try any journaling? Do you try any? And I was like, I don't know. It's not really for me, blah, blah, blah. And then I did finally a few months ago, I give myself like five minutes, I call it word vomiting, but just like mm-hmm. word vomit on the page. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't understand like stream of consciousness, word vomiting, whatever, there's basically, you just write down literally the words that come to your mind. Yeah. There's no judgment on what it is. For me, sometimes it's song lyrics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like literally like, like, Hamilton comes in my head and it's like the King song. So it's like, I literally have da, 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 like written on my page for like lines. Um, there's no judgment. You just literally get the words out. And then when you're done, you get clarity on certain things that are like giving you some, some powerful motion with that. But I give myself five minutes to like word vomit. And then I do my, my like gratitude. Um, cause as you know, I, I treat patients at six o'clock in the morning. So I'd have to get up like three to have your, <laughs> to have your daily routine. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? No. I'm like, four four thirty is early enough. We're good. Um, and so, but yeah, and I will say what I have I noticed. Yawned. Uh, say, I yawned. Here. You're like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like. <laughs> but like what I remember was that before I started is that I would have, like I would wake up already problem solving. I would wake up already mid problem that I'm solving and just the brain was just like. Mm-hmm all day long and then when i started doing this i would still wake up with like words going on but it would be then songs it was like well you don't have a problem to solve because you're doing a lot better with like just not having this like chronic resting anxiety Mm -hmm. but you can't just have a quiet mind that's too scary so we're just (laughs) going to give you songs to sing (laughs) so then it was songs for a while and then just in the last few weeks it's been like i'll just kind of wake up and i'll just kind of sit there and it's just not like there's nothing going on but it's like Oh, the sun's up. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. six thirty up, or if I, I wonder if it's eight o'clock up. You know, like it's not like okay, let's go. Like the brain's running, and so when I first started doing this, I had like a legal pad that I write on, and like I would write like three quarters of a page in five minutes. I mean, it was just like rapid fire, just like tons of stuff. And now I feel like three days on a single page. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just so much quieter, so much slower, and so much more clarity. When the things that do come up now, it's like okay, that's the thing that actually needs to be worked through like that's actually what needs to happen now so i gave it resistance for a long time finally right place right time it finally happened and now i'm feeling so much better so now that's part of my non-negotiable brilliant i love this word vomit so yes my word vomit (laughs) (sighs) i literally all right i'm like my husband's walking across the room now the dog Mm -hmm. just stood up and stretched like that's another Mm -hmm. example of just like what i'm even seeing out in the world Mm -hmm. it's crazy it is crazy because it just gives you that moment of quiet where you don't have all the chaos Mm -hmm. because it takes so long to that's what i try to explain to my patients they're like well i mean i just i think i spend time thinking i was like thoughts happen way too fast like when you have to write it down it's like the thoughts that are actually taking precedent are coming out through your hand and yes sometimes it's total bs and like not important at all but sometimes it's like really important Mm -hmm. so anyway all right so we probably only have time for one last question um my question is let's say somebody's listening and they're like okay i want to get in touch with myself i want to start kind of figuring out what my true joy is what my you know how i can kind of get started on this journey what is like one actionable step that somebody could take today to just start getting a little bit more in tune with themselves and what they want play for the sake of play So think of one thing that feels really playful to you that 
has to the thing Allison mentioned earlier <laughs> has no productive purpose it's more like sensory play like maybe you're literally walking to the nearest playground and swinging on the swings and like oh what does it feel like to go back and forth and pump my legs and and whatnot and that's it like you're not doing it to get a workout or like I don't know like go be the weirdo at a kid's playground <laughs> you're doing it to just experience play in the world because that which brings us joy is usually found in our inner child so to speak we all have an inner child and we we learned to kind of squash the joy when we were around four to five starting to go to school and you got to be productive as we were talking about earlier and so sometimes you got to go back to what brought me joy when i was four or five and mm -hmm. like go do that thing even though you're a grown-ass adult now and that's just how it goes Mm -hmm. I hear my kids say things like, when I'm an adult, I can't wait till I'm an adult because I could do whatever I want. And I'm like, yeah, you absolutely could do whatever you want. And I was like, why don't I do whatever I want? I am an adult. I should be able to do whatever I want. Right. <laughs> I, I want to go hiking today. Why am I, why am I scheduling meetings? I want to go hiking. I'm going to cancel my meetings. I want to go hiking. Live your desire. That would be yeah. joy and desire. Like go do yes. something that you just desire for the sake of desire, not because you earned it or whatever. Yeah. 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 Love I love that. Julie, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to learn more from you? Uh, find me on Instagram, Dr. Julie Granger, or my website, which is illuminatefreedomcoaching.com. Not to be confused with the word eliminate. It's eliminate <laughs> like light. <laughs> the exact opposite. Thank you, Chris. Exact opposite. We want to bring in more light, not get rid of it. <laughs> right. We were all about the light. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so, so much, Julie, for giving us your time today. This has been absolutely amazing. And we are so grateful for the changes that you've helped us make in our own lives and for the hundreds of people that we have also helped with that learning and who are going out and then doing the same thing. The ripple effect has been absolutely huge. Um, for those who are looking to make some changes, check out those resources. We will link them below. Get started on getting some play in your life. Maybe do some of your word vomiting and and just start getting a little bit more clarity but let's just start kind of everybody clearing out their mind finding their joy and just living happier healthier lives for everybody involved um, we hope that everybody has an absolutely wonderful week and um, we love you all thank you so much thanks so. thanks for joining us for this gem of conversation i wish you all the clarity and strength to discover nurture and thrive in what rings true to your heart Check out our Instagram and Facebook for the list of values that Julie uses to help us identify what's most important to us. And give us a like and a subscribe to be notified of more joyful healing messages to come. If you've liked what you heard today, consider leaving us a review on this episode and let us know what parts struck something to come alive in your soul and what little pockets of wisdom you're carrying away from this episode. Join us next week as we dive a little deeper into how we can stop asking for permission to step into our greatness in a fantastic discussion on imposter syndrome. Until then, we thank you for all your support and bid you peace, love, and light on your healing journey.